Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, the senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. Um, today, I uh, just want to remind everybody, this year is the year of the table. And I was just saying to Germany, they are still the year of the tablet. We pray they're going to get around the table soon. But I did say to everybody, with lockdowns, it'll be table with a T if you're in lockdown or just the table if you're not. But it's the year of the table. And uh, there's some great stories in the Bible of things that Jesus, you know, talks to us about around a table. In actual fact, when Jesus was with the disciples, he was talking about the future, uh, sitting around with the disciples having dinner, communing together. And there's a story in the Bible which is so powerful in 2 Samuel chapter 9. And really, once again, it's an incredible story of what happened uh, through King David. But really, it's also incredible spiritual truth to you and I. Just a reminder, whenever you hear the Bible or read the Bible, you know, it contains history. Everybody's heard me say that. But the main purpose is not to be a history book. The main purpose is to give you understanding, to give you insight, spiritual insight for the first time or to reinforce uh, the spiritual insight that you already have so you would live your Christian life with wisdom and uh, understanding and in so doing, have all that God's planned for your life. So I've entitled my message, Your Supernatural Dinner Reservation. Your Supernatural Dinner Reservation. How many people have been to a restaurant where you pre-booked? And uh, I've done one where I pre-booked twice to check and make sure the booking was there. Had a good number of people. And when I got there, they had no clue who we were and had no clue about our booking. And uh, one time I had the person's name and I was able to say, well, this is the person who booked us in. And within 10 minutes, they found a table. Another time, didn't have the name and we had a big problem. The good news is, everybody, you may have been a rejected for a dinner reservation, but if you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, you have a supernatural, eternal dinner reservation. Let me say that again. If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you have a supernatural, eternal dinner reservation. And uh, the Bible tells us that our name has been written in the Lamb. That's Jesus' book of life. And there's a placemat with your name on it for your reservation in eternity. When we will sit together at what the Bible says is the marriage supper of the Lamb, the church with Jesus Christ, and boy, think of the best dinner party you've been to. The one in heaven will be, I was going to say a million times better, but that's nothing, is it? It's going to be off the Richter scale because God is preparing an incredible dinner for us in eternity. But can I say this? God has prepared a table for you down here now in this life, and it's a table of blessing. When I was at the pastors' conference, national pastors' conference last week, got to fly after 14 months to Brisbane, and I went to the national conference with uh, uh, Pastor Liam, and uh, hearing the prime minister get up and say, he actually preached to the pastors for 20 minutes. Can you imagine anywhere in the world where a prime minister or president gets up and preaches to the key Pentecostal pastors of the nation, and uh, there's about 3,000 pastors in Australian Christian churches, something like that, a bit more, I think. But he got up and preached to us, and he said, I'm in politics, 
and talking about the table, I once again picking up on that theme, he said, I'm in politics. And he reads Psalm 23 and says, I've got a lot of enemies in politics. You don't have to do anything wrong in politics to have enemies. You just need to put your hand up to be a politician and they will find any, they'll determine, you know, how you wash your hands will be wrong. Everything will be wrong because uh, they've got to undo you. And he said, so I daily have uh, enemies surrounding me. But Psalm 23 says, the Lord sets a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And he encouraged all the pastors, if you have enemies against you serving the Lord and building your church, he said, look for the table. Because there's a table of blessing in the midst of difficulty and in the midst of enemies against your calling. There's a table. Everybody, there's a table. So there's a table. Look for the table. Look for the blessing of God. Believe for the blessing of God. And, uh, and there will be a table set before us. So it was a great encouragement from the Prime Minister saying, don't be put off when things are not going against you, when there's opposition to your calling, which was so, so good. In 2 Samuel 9, there's a great story which I want to read to you once again about somebody being brought to the table of the Lord. Let me read it to you. It says here in 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 1, it says, Then David, that's King David, Is there anyone still left of the house of Saul, so that I could show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba, and they summoned him to David. And the king said to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, I am your servant. Then the king said, Is there no one remaining of the house of Saul to whom I could show the kindness of God? And Ziba said to the king, There's still a son of Jonathan, one who is disabled in both feet. So the king said to him, Where's he? And Ziba said to the king, Behold, he's in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel in Lodabar. Then King David sent messages who brought him from the house of Machir, the son of Amiel, from Lodabar. Now Mephibosheth, hello everybody, there's a name for the next baby you have. In this generation, it'll be a big winner. Anyway, Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, fell on his face, and prostrated himself. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he said, here is your servant. Now look at this. Then David said to him, do not be afraid, for I will assuredly, assuredly show kindness to you for the sake of your father, Jonathan, and I will restore to you all the land of your grandfather, Saul, and you yourself shall eat at my table regularly. And another translation says, from then on. Everybody, here is King David, and he is inspired by the Lord to want to show kindness to one of Saul's relatives. Now, I want to encourage you to get this. Saul was a mad king, full of insecurity, full of pride, who made his kingship about himself and not about the Lord. And when David comes along and is anointed by Samuel, his insecurity, his pride and everything rose up and he set out breathing threats against David, basically cursing him. And one chapter says he actually threw spears at David trying to kill him. So he's out to take out this young king. And then David now, after being attacked and you know, uh, threatened and, you know, attempted murder of his life, goes, I need to bless somebody of the family of the guy who's been trying to kill me for all these years. <laughs> I need to honour and really bless somebody and show kindness to somebody 
<laughs> sorry, to someone in the family line of the guy who has made my life hell, has tortured me, put fear into me and tried to kill me. Where is one of his family that I can be kind to them? Listen, if you've had a bad week <laughs> or a bad life, think about David. And now he's saying, is there anyone left at all that I can show kindness to for the sake of Jonathan? So he's not doing it for the sake of Saul. He's doing it for the sake of Saul's son, Jonathan, who was kind to him and served with him. But nevertheless, he's looking for somebody in Saul's line. Now, listen, people, I don't know about you, but in my family line, anybody who did Saul, we ain't going to forget you nor forgive you. And let alone get you a Christmas present. <laughs> and then he's like, I'm not only going to get you a Christmas present, I'm going to bless a serious blessing on one of your descendants. Why is he doing that? It's because David has a revelation. You, here's the revelation, right? You overcome evil with good. Come on, you overcome evil with good. If you've had evil done to you, one of the ways you can overcome its stronghold on your life is then setting out to do good for somebody else. One of the reasons I set out to serve people and serve you was not because I always felt like it, it was because I wanted to overcome the evil done to me by being good to you and good to others that I could be. So that's how we overcome the work of the enemy. And so right here, David's going, is there anyone left? Why is he saying that? Because a lot of the family was dead. Why were they dead? Saul's house was a house of bloodshed. There was a house of bloodshed. There was destruction. Have you ever noticed that generational destruction goes on and on and on? You see alcoholism in the grandfather, then it's in the son, then it's in the grandchildren. You will see things going for generations. Well, because of Saul's insecurity and pride and, and jealousy, he became destructive. And then in do, so doing, uh, taking the sword to other people, many of his family was not alive. And so David's like, is there anybody left? <laughs> anybody left? Don't ever think that what you do with your life doesn't matter. I'd be like, oh, I just do my thing. The world we live in right now, it's all about my thing and how I feel. Yeah, okay, think of the results of that because in two generations, you will have put your grandchildren into jail. <clears throat> Spencer and I were talking about a counselor the other day who, who goes off to serious uh, prisoners who've killed people, done horrible things, and she doesn't go in and say, what, why did you do this? Her opening line to people is, what happened to you? What happened to you? People do things for reasons. So what we're going to do is in this generation go, whoa, Jesus came into my life. I need to now live my life in such a way that I'm helping anyone who's following me, be it related or not related, to not enter into destruction in their life. And so Saul's insecurity, which he didn't even know would impact anybody. His bitterness, which he thought, well, that's just me being bitter. No, it didn't impact anybody. His jealousy, well, what does that matter? Nobody knows. Brought destruction to his family, his violence. And so David can find hardly anybody alive. So he's like, anybody alive? And then they go, well, there is one. And his name's Mephibosheth, which is Izzy's next child's name. There we go. That third child, Mephibosheth, Muhammad, not looking likely. Okay. 
So David says, I want to show loving kindness. I want to show great kindness. You know, when you see some of the words in the Bible, like loving kindness, when you look back at what the root of that word is, it comes from a Hebrew word, right, which I began to look at. And the Hebrew word is chesida, chesida, where we get loving kindness from. But when you look at the, what it means in Hebrew, it actually means exceptional love and care. But the word itself means stalk. <laughs> You're like, mm? anybody is excited about that? As excited as me, like, what the heck is that about? Anyway, so it means stalk. So loving kindness, chesida means stalk, like stalk, what? And then you look into it, and it's actually talking about the bird, the stalk, which was known for having exceptional love and care of its young. And it would actually place its young high up where other you know, animals, predators, other birds could get at it. The stalk would put them up in a higher level and hide them and look after its young exceptionally. And so that word stalk, chesida, came into the English language as loving kindness. There you go, people. So, so he's saying, I want to take the same kind of love and care that a stalk does with its newborn to protect it. I want to take the same kind of love and care for one of Saul's descendants who tried to murder me, kill me, and throw spears at me. And you're like, oh my gosh, huge. So, so David is seeking out one of his descendants. Can I remind everybody that in the same way David is seeking one of his descendants, God sought you out and is seeking you out. God has sought you out. Everybody who's here, you didn't find God. He wasn't lost. He came and got you. <laughs> God sought you out. He might have used a person. He might have used a an advertisement you saw. He may have used a sign that you drove past. God is working and he's seeking us out. And I want to encourage you, think again about your life because your salvation and your invitation to God's table, the table of the kingdom of God, listen, it's supernatural. Let me say it again. Your invitation, your salvation, your being here, don't lower it, don't put it down, don't lower the bar on it. It is supernatural if you've been saved. If you came into God's kingdom, you had a revelation of His love, a revelation of His grace, a revelation of your need for forgiveness, then that was the Holy Spirit showing you. And then God says, supernaturally now, through you putting your repenting, putting your faith in me, I'm now going to position you at my table. Whoa. So I want to say to everybody, learn from Mephibosheth that you no longer need to hide out. He was hiding out in Lodabar. What a name. The town of Lodabar. And I just said in the last service, what that means is he lowered the bar for himself. It's better in the first service. Anyway. <laughs> he, he had an affliction. He was crippled. So now he's hiding out in a small place, in a small life. And uh, yet... David is seeking him out. Everybody, some of us had a small life, small hearts, small minds, small families, and then God came and sought you out. Came, came and sought you out. Got me from the Bronx in Sydney. Got you from wherever. Got you from the mental asylum. I don't really want to keep going back there, but you are a very good, it's very useful. <laughs> very helpful. God sought us out and came and got us. 
and then brings us into his kingdom. And Mephibosheth is hiding out and doesn't realize that his affliction, in fact, is a hidden blessing. You know, sometimes your affliction is actually a blessing. Depends how you look at things. So Mephibosheth, if he, was a, if he had a, not been crippled, by the way, he probably would have tried to tackle David and get the kingdom off him. And David would have taken him out. Or David would have hunted him down, as they did in those days, to make sure nobody rise up. But because he was crippled in a small town, everybody kind of let him be. And so his affliction kept him alive in, enough that in time he would be able to receive the blessing of the Lord through David. Who... If you've been hidden and you've been afflicted, keep serving the Lord, keep trusting God, keep loving Jesus, keep building, because at the right time goes, where are you? Where are you? I want to promote you now. I want to bless you now. I want to give you opportunity now. Just think about that. His, his affliction was a hidden blessing. Some of us have like, oh, that was terrible. That was terrible. No, have another look. Have another look. God may just use that in your life. Some of you are much more empathetic people to other people. You feel other people's pain. You're more helpful and caring. Why? Because you suffered. You suffered. And then it's working for you to serve and love people. You know, um, you know me, my, me and my childhood, I've said it before, but, you know, such a crazy, difficult childhood. And uh, both parents crazy. But anyway, and just up and down yo-yo childhood. And my dad, you know, from scary to horrific, you never knew what you were going to get. He'd changed the game plan, changed his personality. Due to his addictions, he would just have change of personality. One minute he's awesome, then he's the devil, awesome devil. Oh, my gosh, all over the place. Changed time. Everything that was said that was going to happen didn't happen. Ugh. So, you know, I was old by the time I was 18, just old, trying to put up with all that my whole childhood. You know, but one day the day came decades ago now where I just looked up to my dad and was, you know, he's in heaven, gave his life to the Lord before he died. And I said, wow, I never thought I'd say this, dad, but hey, thanks. You've been a great friend to my ministry. You've been a great friend to my ministry. You're all like, how is that? <laughs> well, when you've got a father who everybody loves outside the house, in the house he's the devil. And you see this manipulation and this change. When you become a pastor and you're dealing with lots of people in different churches around the world, which is what we've done, I've been able to meet people and then go, okay, wow, you're awesome, blah, blah, blah. I can tell that this person's really integrous. And then I'll meet other people and I go, they've got all the chat, but I can tell you're lying. You're not telling the truth. You're somebody else. And, and so I realized I went through that. It was an affliction, but in fact, it's a hidden blessing and that it's helped me do ministry and not raise people up too soon and not put people in the wrong place and know who's telling the truth and know who's not telling the truth. Not always, but many times. And uh, so, how do you look at your affliction? My afflictions help me to do pastoring well. Where I have some people who don't even know that they're not telling the truth, but I'm like, hey, slow down till you get some reality of the truth. What's your affliction? What's your challenge? Give it to God and say, Lord, help me to help use this, Lord, because the enemy meant it for evil, but God can turn it for good. Amen. You know, the Bible says, too, that in 2 Samuel 4, five chapters before, that the nurse who was carrying Mephibosheth, she's kind of like racing along, got this little kid. Obviously, he's not, you know, not a real big kid. He's coming along. She's carrying him. And then 
she drops him and however he fell, he's broken his ankles and in that day they were not able to heal your ankles like they are today if you had an accident. So he ends up crippled. And uh, so that's in 2 Samuel 4. And I was thinking, Lord, what are you trying to say about this nurse dropping him? What, what, what's the thought there for us today? And I felt like the Lord said to me, sometimes those carrying us are crippling us. Sometimes those carrying us are crippling us. Sometimes we've got people in our lives who never let us grow up. Parents, you've got to be real careful that you let your children grow up. Uh, you know, we'll see uh, sometimes parents who their children are 30 and 35 and they're like, oh, he'll always be my baby. I'm like, what the heck are you talking about? This 35-year-old guy needs to get off the couch and get a job. She's like, oh, he's my baby. I'm like, he cannot get up because you're crippling him. You need to say, you know that couch you're on? I sold it <laughs> this week. <laughs> and I'll be selling all the other items until you get up and get a job. <laughs> We're going to help our children become adults. Parents, your job is to not call your children your baby forever. They're not your baby. They're adults. That's disrespectful. You need to say to your son who is not working, excuse me, sir. There's a great future for you, but it's not on this couch, which I sold last week on Facebook Marketplace. We're going to help people. Your daughter, and you say, oh, she'll always be my baby. How's that going to help her? You need to say, you're a woman and a great woman of God with a great future and a great destiny. Your parents want to cheer you on into your future. They want to help you. But you don't let people collapse. Some of us, with our mercy, we've got great mercy gifts, but we've got no boundaries with it. Mercy and truth have met together. You have to have mercy and truth, wisdom. Otherwise, you may be crippling people without realizing it. Every time they begin to go forward, they have some kind of inconvenience. You're like, oh, no, you poor baby. Oh, my gosh, just sit down again. Don't worry. Don't worry. Nope. <laughs> Listen, when they're 50, <laughs> they're going to blame you. We're going to say, now, look, this is life, people. Up we go. Let's go again. Up we go. Let's go again. Help people to walk help people to run, and help people to endure challenges. If you look at a, um, a caterpillar in a cocoon, for that caterpillar to become a butterfly, it's got to go through the struggle of getting out. Everybody who's going to grow and become a mature person has got to go through the struggle of life. And all the mums, you need to let your boys struggle. Boys have got to dig things out, carve things out, conquer things, so that they can go... I'm a man now. And when they're a man, then they'll look after their wife. But if they got you, oh, honey, you're, you'll always be mum's baby. And he's like, I'm 57. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> here's a ticket to the job office. Take that bus. Anyway, we're going to help people because we may be crippling them. Can I encourage you to right now in this season on the planet, Around the world, we're watching the Christian church be wobbled. The Christian church being wobbled right now. This is a good test for the faith of all Christians. Like, it's a good test because you're going to discover who are the Christians. Because if you're a follower of Christ, I'm not in this deal because I like you or don't like you, or I like Jesus this week or I don't like Jesus. I'm in this deal because Jesus saved me, came and got me, rescued me, so if he never does nothing else again for me, you may not be at church, I'll be here. <laughs> you may not go on for God, I'll be here. 
Why? Because I've based myself in salvation and walk in relationship with God. So when the storms come, let them strengthen me, not push me over. Everybody, don't be wobbled right now by the enemy. The Bible teaches us the devil goes around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He goes around. The devil doesn't go around going, oh, you know, how are you? Going to be nice to you. He's, out, he's after your grandkids. He's after your great-grandkids. I said to somebody the other day, I don't know, how are you going to have Christian grandkids? See, I'm not here to help them stay broken and in denial. How is that going to happen? Because that ain't going to happen if you don't make some decisions now. And so that's why my grandkids, they're going to serve the Lord. And if they're not, they're going to be seeing a lot of me. Because <laughs> it ain't just about the grandkids. I've got to see my grandkids. I'm going to be, are those grandkids, what are you doing for God? You know, they're gonna, you know we, we got out, we, I got out of hell. I'm not going back. And I'm certainly not letting my kids or grandkids go there. Some of us don't realize that the devil's plan for you doesn't go away. So I've got to walk wisely, carefully, in Jesus' name. You know, David said to Mephibosheth, don't be afraid. Why does throughout the Bible it say, don't be afraid? An angel appears, don't be afraid. Mephibosheth says, they're going to bless you, don't be afraid. Fear is the response of a sinner. Fear is not the response of sons and daughters. So you need to go when God comes to bless you. Thank you, Lord. I'll have that blessing. Thank you, Lord. I'm ready to receive that blessing. But he's having to say to him, listen, don't be afraid. We're more afraid of God's goodness than we are of accountability to him. God starts being good to us. We're like, oh, I don't know. God's been good to me now. That's a bit scary. Can I encourage you? Don't be more afraid of God's goodness than accountability. I'm more concerned about being accountable with my life, being accountable with my words and what I've, you know, my impact on other people. There's an accountability factor we're all going to have to deal with. But people get like, oh, I don't know about God being good to me. I don't know about being blessed. I've never been blessed like this before. Oh, I'm a bit worried now. No, get blessed. <laughs> get ready for blessing. Get excited about blessing and say, Lord, thank you that you're going to bless me. Psalm 84 verse 11 says, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord gives grace and glory. He withholds no good thing from those who walk with him in integrity. Oh, wow. Everybody, God is going to withhold no good thing for you when you're walking. Hello, not in perfection, but Lord, I'm work, walking within the guidelines of your word. Father, help me to do what is right. Help me to do what is right in Jesus' name. You know, we were all crippled by sin, but the blood of Christ covers our feet now. If you're crippled by sin, the blood of Christ, if you're a believer, covers your feet. And this is the other great thing, you know. David was saying to Mephibosheth, you're crippled in your legs, but really, you're favored by God. It's not about how you see yourself and where you position yourself in a small life and trying to protect yourself, which is, you know, understandable in that day. But he's, uh, he's really saying what God's saying to you. Listen, 2 Corinthians 5, 16. Therefore, from now on, we recognize no one by the flesh, even though we have known Christ by the flesh, yet now we know him in this way no longer. We know no one by the flesh. You're changed. You're changed. If you're born again, you're a new person. Your old life is gone. Shut the door to your old life. Close the door. Don't go back there. If you still got fear in your life, I love one, John 4 verse 18. There is no fear in love. Come on, no fear in God's love. 
but perfect love, spending time in His presence, worshipping Him. The Bible says, no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. God doesn't want you tormented. He wants you walking in His perfect love. The Bible goes on and tells us that the blessing that came on Mephibosheth also came on to his sons and his servants. Oh, I love that. The blessing of God that comes on your life doesn't just impact you, it overflows onto your children. I already seen on my own boys, wow, as soon as I've continued to serve the Lord, serve his house, build his people, I watch the blessing of the Lord overflow onto them. Here's the thought, everybody. Sometimes you got favor just because of who you're connected to. Sometimes in your life, you will have favor just because who you're connected to. And here it was um, Mephibosheth. They're going to have the blessing on them because of him. Sometimes it's through a godly father, a godly mother. That is absolutely true. But sometimes just being in the house of God, connected to a friend God put in your life, connected to serving in a team, being in God's house in a great family, uh, serving the Lord together. Listen, there is a favor and a blessing that you cannot get on your own that comes on your life just because of who you are connected to. Can you say amen? Keep connecting. Last thought, Ephesians 2.6, so amazing. It says, and he raised us up with him. And has seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Everybody, you are now seated in heavenly places now with Christ Jesus. Now, you're already at the table of the kingdom right now. Imagine what eternity is going to be like. So I really want to encourage you, live your life with that sense of, wow, I've been invited to the table of the Lord. I'm actually, in fact, seated there right now. Believers here are seated in heavenly places. If you're not yet a believer or you're away from God, today is your opportunity to come and join the table. Wow. If you ever had a good meal at a restaurant, I'm telling you now, this one's going to beat whatever meal you had. You ever sat at a table service and you saw a table setting? I want to tell you, the table setting of the Lord for your life and in eternity. Incredible. If you're not yet a Christian, come and position yourself at the table today. God wants to do something great in your life. God bless you, everybody. Pastor Izzy's going to come. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us. And special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus, both here in Australia and around the world. If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member. And let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. God bless and have a great week.